everyone, and welcome to That's Absurd. Please elaborate. I am your co-host, Trace Dominguez. And I'm also a co-host, Julian Huguet. This is the show where we take absurd, silly, ridiculous, far-out questions that maybe we've always wanted to know the answer to, or some of you may have even asked. We research them, we dive in, we come back, and we share our findings with each other. And this week, we've got some pretty heady questions I'm looking forward to tackling. This one's going to be a big one, so I hope that y'all are buckled up and ready to go, especially if you're listening in the car. Always wear your seatbelt. Yeah. We like to, before we uh, get into our questions, ease into it with a little bit of science news. Mm -hmm. If something was stuck in our brain this week, did anything get stuck in your brain this week? Uh, Funny you should say specifically stuck in your brain, because it's a story about something being stuck in someone's brain, sort of, and spinal column. What? I know. Wow. Well, on our last episode, uh, we had a a listener question about a shared collective consciousness, and we talked about maybe there'd be a way to technologically kind of bridge thoughts among humans. And then lo and behold, a big science news story that's going around right now is about a man who had uh, suffered a, a cycling accident and was paralyzed from the waist down, who through the use of Bluetooth technology and implants is able to move his legs again. <gasps> yeah. Whoa. I was like, this is just, this is the thing we were just talking about. And what I, I mean, that's one of the like goals of this whole field. I know. Big hashtag goals. I wow. feel like that's reducing it way too much because this is huge and like potentially life changing. But yeah, there was a, a man from the Netherlands named Gert Jan Oskam. I'm sure I butcher that. I'm so sorry. Sorry, Gert. Uh, he has been partaking in some research with some Swiss scientists, some Swiss based neuroscientists, and they have basically um, connected a Bluetooth implant to his spine like below the break and they read his brain waves with some some electrodes on his head and they can actually like detect when he's having the thought pattern of uh, I want to move my legs and Whoa. then it transmits it to the Bluetooth which then sends it along the neurons and gets him to actually move his legs again. That's amazing. It's incredible. It's very mechanical. Of course there's videos of it that you can watch and see him like pushing along. He's got like a stroll to hold himself upright. But yeah, he's just motoring his feet along. And even more insane, he still has some connection between the neurons in his spine and his brain. And he's had some movement recovery without the implant active now. Just to like, because he's been thinking about it so much, his nerves are coming back? Yeah, and it's being stimulated. So he's like able to also kind of stand up on his own without it. It's just incredible. But in the context of our conversation, I thought of, like, hey, if, if you really wanted to try this whole hive mind thing, this seems like an important step on the way there. I mean, important step, Julian. Sorry. I Important step. I can't help it. Julian. I can't help it. <laughs> well, you could help Gert, okay? I could. I could. He needs it's it. It's incredible news for Gert Jan. I'm so proud of him. Congratulations, Gert. Fantastic. That's so cool. I know. We've got a lot to talk about. I know. We should dive into this. We really should. Do you want to go first or shall I? <sighs> Who went first last week? I it think you me. did. So I'll me. go first this week okay. with the very easy to uh, describe question that we got from a five-year-old listener from Canada. Wow. I know. I Actually, his mom was listening and she DM'd me on Instagram and said, my five-year-old has a question. My name is Matthew and I live in Canada. How long would it take to make a Lego Lego replica of the sun? Wow. 
And I was like, I have to answer this, this question. Is a good one, yeah. So this one is really, really exciting. There's some math in this warning, math oh, warning. Oh no! Um, but it's going to be really good. So what are your initial thoughts? I want to know before I oh, dive boy. into my answer. Uh, you and I are both lovers of of brick based. Uh, you know, educational toys. Yeah. Let's be real. You know, yeah. like we can call them models or or sculptures. All they're they're toys. Yeah. But I can't help myself. I absolutely still throw my money at that Danish corporation every time. Like they release something new. They just came out with a Pac Man. I know, Ugh. and you can play it. Ugh. 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 Anyway, anyway, take all my money. So having a lot of familiarity with that, I think this is going to be pretty eye opening on just how freaking enormous the sun is yes it's it's so so large and i'm imagining like building it out of the classic like two by four yeah lego element um and i think it's going to be an utterly absurd amount of time yes i'm i'm just gonna tell you you're totally right it is an absurd amount of time I didn't choose the two by four, oh. although just to make it a little more fun. So I sort of just had to pick something and run with it. The okay. two by four was my first thought. The thing about this question is it really comes down to a few different things. Uh, the first thing is we need to know the thing that we're replicating, the sun. We need to know the bricks that we're using. So uh, you mentioned two by fours. I didn't pick that. And I'll tell you why in a second. And we need to do the math. And The reason I didn't use the two by four brick is because the bricks are kind of complicated. They're not squares. So let's go with the bricks first, because we're already talking about it. Quick sidebar. I failed calculus. Okay. I'm not super always confident in my math skills. I love math, but I don't always know if I'm good at it. I want to put a big old asterisk on all my math, and I always try and double check it as best I can, but I hope I didn't miss math this. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You hope you didn't miss math. I didn't want to miss math this. Uh, so a two by two square brick is only a square from the top down Mm. from the side. It's actually slightly shorter. So it's dimensions are 15.2 millimeters by 15.2 millimeters by 12.7 millimeters. Okay. So it's just slightly shorter. We're not a perfect cube. here, Right. And so the reason I bring up the globe set is because how it got around this problem that it's not actually a symmetrical brick is you build a skin of Mm -hmm. flat plates and those flat plates taper as they get near the top and they get wider as they get near the middle okay now that works if you're building a set with an internal structure there is a lego model which you can see the box right here in the room because i just built it not that long ago of the 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 earth it's a globe model yeah and so i took inspiration from that because what happens is in the globe model if you're not a lego person all lego system blocks or lego bricks can work together because they're all uniform in size the studs are the same the depths are the same so what we're assuming here is rather than building the entire sun out of an internal structure and all of these pieces because you'd have to use thousands and thousands of different piece types in order to make everything work together i tried to keep the math as simple as possible and give us an extremely rough estimate of just how to build the skin part so just a plate flat one plate thick a 10 stud by 10 stud square. Okay. And so I calculated it based on that because it's a symmetrical piece that we don't have to care that it's not uh, symmetrical in height. Uh, and it, it makes the math a lot easier. And this is a complicated problem that even people who are Lego creators work with, um, which is that, and luckily for me, people who are smarter than me have come up with something called the LDU. 
Do you know what an LDU is? Because I didn't know what it was. No, I think uh, I I think my college hockey team lost to them in the <laughs> semifinals. No, what's an LDU? So there's a software program that people use when they develop Lego creations. So they don't have to actually go get the pieces and build them. They can get a you know pull from a digital library. And um, the LDU is called a Lego draw unit, and it's a way to convert all Lego pieces, all of them, into integer sizes. So a one brick width or depth is 20 LDU. Mm. A one brick height is 24 LDU. Uh, one plate height is 8 LDU. Three plates equals one brick. And so so it becomes integers, which makes it much easier to work with. Gotcha. And so just put a pin in that for a second. So we're sure. going to use a 10 by 10 plate. We're not going to be concerned with gaps because you can't fill every gap. Even the globe model doesn't do that. We're not going to use curved plates because even though those exist, even again, the globe model doesn't do that. It gets more complicated. Um, and we're not calculating the internal structure only because the amount of pieces required and the complications of those pieces would that you could write a PhD so on. You're you're just doing the surface area of the sun, not no structural support on the interior. Yeah. Filling up the volume. Just the outside. Just this yes, exactly. The skin of the sun, so to speak. Okay. And the reason we're doing that is because we're trying to figure out how long this is going to take. Okay. So that's we can start there and see what that calculation is. And then if we need more calculating, we could work our way toward uh, the answer. I don't think we'll need more calculating because it's a ridiculous amount. Okay. So the second thing we need, now that we know we're using 10 by 10 thin plates, we need to know the surface area of the sun, as you just mentioned. Right. Uh, the sun is a miasma of incandescent plasma, yeah, which means it doesn't actually... nuclear furnace. You have to let me finish. I'm sorry. I'll do it might again. be Giant's yeah. lyric. So it's neither a gas, nor is it on fire, nor does it actually even have a surface. Uh, however, there is a point that we genuinely think of as the surface of the sun. Yeah, it's, it's the point where you touch it and you go, hot, 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 hot. <laughs> even my toddler knows hot, that. Hot, 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 hot. So uh, the sun is this giant collection of hydrogen and helium, and it's so big that How it's- How big is it? And unfathomably big. Um, it's about 12,000 times the area of the surface of the earth. That's, which is pretty that's big. A big number. Yeah. It's about 6 trillion square kilometers. So remember, we're working with a 10 by 10 plate. Which is, <laughs> how many square kilometers is that, quite, Trace? Quite small. <laughs> it's not any square kilometers. <laughs> yeah. It's a very so, small number of square kilometers. Uh, so if we combine this information, six trillion square kilometers with a 10 by 10 Lego plate, we have to be using the same units. Uh, so we'll convert that 10 by 10 plate using LDU. So knowing that a 10 by 10 plate is 200 LDU and one LDU equals about 0.4 millimeters. Man. <laughs> so one 10 by 10 plate is about 64 centimeters squared, or 8 centimeters on a side. Okay. So that totally makes sense. And in fact, having handled these, I can actually picture like 8 centimeter plate. Okay, small. I'm trying to get in my head to the math of from square centimeters to square kilometers. Yeah. So a square meter is going to be 10,000 square centimeters. Yeah, I think so. And then so. multiply that... Yeah. By a thousand times a thousand, so a million. Yeah. So it's going to be <laughs> 10,000 million. So 10 billion. More. 
More, wait, what? You divide the area of the sun by the area of that, or, you know, divide the 10 by 10 plate into the area of the sun, and you end up with 9.375 times 10 to the 20th pieces. Oh, I was just going centimeters to kilometers. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to get the math right. Sorry, so. <laughs> we're going even further than that then. That's how many pieces you Okay. Need. 937 quintillion... 500 quadrillion bricks or ten, plates. The 10 by 10 plates. Yes. Quintillions. Quintillion. So, okay. So you got billion, trillion, yep. quadrillion. Yes. Quintillion. Right. How many zeros is that? It's uh, 9.375 times 10 to the 20th. Okay. So, so quite a few zeros. Nine and then 20 zeros after it and then... Plus, more. yeah, with some change, with some yeah. change, there. just a few, just a bit of change, just a few more plates. <laughs> That's that you a lot pick of up bricks. At the Lego store. That's a lot of bricks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so at nine hundred thirty-seven point five quadrillion bricks. That's that's before you get to the bricks connecting them yeah that's why i didn't do that math no i just started with the you're skin. just papering over the sun yeah with bricks and you've got nine we're really three quintillion abs plasticking over the sun yeah really but yes it's it's yes point stance right so in order to know how long it would take to do that we need to know how many bricks we make per year <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking assembling you're not thinking manufacturing yeah we gotta start at manufacturing you're not we need the bricks you're you can't just at... snap your fingers and have 937 <laughs> quintillion bricks <laughs> so we make 60 billion lego bricks per year currently uh, and so at 60 billion it would take any guesses like you know I can't do that no there's too many zeros I can't three and do a math. half times the age of the universe to make at, yeah to make to at 60 make billion a year many. that's just to make the bricks okay. we haven't done anything with them let's yet let's say we pull in parallel universe earths though, sure and we yeah. get all of them making and we've got all of our Here, pieces ready I to, did that I did that ready for, for assembly so if you wanted to build that number of bricks required in a human lifetime yeah you would double the production to 120 billion, mm -hmm. and then you would multiply that by a million. <laughs> okay, sure. And then you're making 12 million trillion bricks per year, uh, and then it would only take 78 years a month and 14 days to make the bricks. Easy. Yeah, and that gives you plenty of time. To launch them all into space in order to start building. That's a good point. Yeah. Or, I mean, I guess you could start building them, like, on the surface of the Earth and slowly, you know, build out. That would be fine. Yeah, uh, just stack them really yeah, high. you're really going to just do that. So, I, and I'm not an expert in ABS plastic production. Uh, maybe, you know, that's a lowball number. And producing 12 million trillion flat 10 by 10 pieces could be done really easily. It, you know, ABS plastic is just a polymer. So, it's carbon and hydrogen and a little bit of nitrogen. We have plenty of that. So it's just figuring out how to get it all and put it together. Yeah, we'd have to divert all human manufacturing efforts to this task. Yeah, easy. Everything on the planet would yeah. have to be like, listen, everybody stop the wars. Our Canadian listener <laughs> needs this stop done. whatever you're doing. There's a five-year-old in Canada who by the time he's 83, <laughs> we need to make sure he can cover the sun in plastic. Chop, yeah. chop. He wants to build a Drop Dyson sphere that is exactly the size of the sun. 
So now we need to build it. Great reason why the whole Dyson Sphere concept is patently absurd. I know sci-fi loves it. Yeah. But come on. I know. It's just ridiculous to think about. We haven't even started building it yet. We're just no. We're just getting the pieces we're, up. Yeah, we're at this point, we're opening the box and we've pouring nulled. out the bag. Yeah, we've, we're knolling right now. We did now. the knolling. I think we've knolled at this point. So okay. now we're building the sun. We're knolling. Okay? We're ready to roll. It's a, yeah. <laughs> this is a Lego sun. Lego means play well in Danish. Fun fact. Legot. Uh, soul in Danish uh, is sun. So this would be the leg soul. There's a lot of mispronouncing Danish things on this yeah, show. Well. I couldn't get the the man who could walk against name. <laughs> yeah, that's the Nordics we're really having trouble we're with. Not that's not doing well. Okay, continue. So we start building. You know, you got your 10 by 10 plate. You put it next to, because we're not assembling them on top of each other, that would increase the number of plates required by 20%. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> not to mention it would melt. Yeah, probably long term. So we're just going to like glue them edge on edge. Yeah. Just the smallest amount of glue. Uh, so we're oh, doing we're that. pulling out the craggle from the Lego movie. Yeah, the craggle. <laughs> exactly. So we're starting plate after plate. Start out to be then miles wide to reach the diameter of the sun, which is, if you remember from uh, high school science, it's 109 Earths across. Mm. So it's quite, you know, wide, the sun. Uh, so after we get to miles, then it's thousands of miles wide. So we're shipping pieces all along the edges, all throughout the planet, until eventually it has to go into space. Uh, you know, the construction site would be wide as a whole continent, and then the width of the planet, and then the distance of from the Earth to the moon, and then the distance from Earth to Mars. Still, you know, like, just building and building. We know that from the Apollo and now the Orion missions, that it takes between three in five days to get to the moon so you know that's about 380 and a half thousand kilometers if you're traveling at an insane speed not yeah. like super gluing something and then moving it along one well you have to ship the pieces to where the building's oh, happening so if somebody's over there building we have to get them their pieces oh, okay so that they can keep building uh, so as we approach construction of the sun's equator, the width of the actual sun is 1.4 million kilometers. So going to the moon gives it's us an approximation. About yeah, about a quarter. So uh, it, it, the moon is freaking far away, actually, is what that taught me, that the moon is really far because, you know, you're going a significant distance across the sun just going to the moon. If you think of it in just distance. Uh, so anyway, somewhat, somehow we're launching rockets that are just taking Lego plates and they're going that distance uh, in about a month just to get the bricks to the person at the construction site. It would take a month to get the bricks there. It took us 30 years to build the International Space Station, which, by the way, has the internal volume of a five bedroom house. Uh, so I think Leg Soul is going to exactly take all of humanity's efforts for a, a period of a century at least. Wow. Just to get, like, I mean, the bricks, we can build them over a hundred years, and we're just slowly over that time assembling them, and it's just everyone's goal. To... But if we're if we're smart about how we're managing this project, right, where they come that... off the press, and then we turn around and print them. So, yeah. Yeah, can... I, I honestly think that the building part is the easy part of this, because it's like, if humans have proven that we are good at something, it is logistics. It's mm -hmm. getting... We, we produce it, and we can get it somewhere. We're really, really good at that when we focus on it. It's the thing that we're probably one of the best 
it's one of the best things we know how to do. Yeah. And Take so that, what, chimpanzees. Right? So if it came to just like, we don't care about the environment. <laughs> we don't care about what we're doing to anything. All we care about is building the, the replica sun out of Lego. <laughs> Then we could be launching rockets all the time. We could be continuously supplying the lines to make sure that the plates are getting built. Did you did you by any chance calculate like what the finished mass of this would be? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Julian, because that is the next thing I was going to talk oh, about. Yeah. <laughs> so if we're just assuming we can do everything that we just talked about and that we can get all the raw material to make all the ABS plastic. The bigger issue we're going to run into is the mass of all of these plates. So we, again, aren't attaching the plates to each other because that would just increase all of our problems. Yeah. But a 10 by 10 plate actually doesn't exist in the Lego system. Most what? of the plates are either 12s or 8s. Like they're, they're, I couldn't find a 10 by 10 specifically in the online Lego catalog. Um, but it would be about 14 grams. And I, what I did is I took a two by 10 plate and I multiplied it by five. Sure. So it's about 14 grams, 937 and a half quintillion of those plates, uh, would be 13 roughly quadrillion metric tons, which is 10 to the 19th. So that's a lot of mass. Can you put that in context for me? I can. So that's not even a moon in terms of mass. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So yeah. there's there everything in the solar system would be more massive than that, but it'd still be quite massive. It's like a large asteroid mass. You know, what's funny is if it's at this point, we're really going to be struggling with the mat, like the gravitational pull of other planets and moons and yes. stuff going by, trying yes. to tear our Lego sun apart. Absolutely. We'd probably have to deal with tides. Tidal forces, yeah. yeah. Both from our own planet and the motion of that. Like if we started building it on our planet, our planet is rotating. Yeah. <laughs> so where the, where it starts on our planet, it's whipping around by the <laughs> time we get, get out there. You have to have a moving. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, we and we couldn't build it. it anywhere that the moon orbits, or the no. moon's just gonna smash we into could, it. We could put it in like geostationary orbit, right? Sure, yeah, like, like a Lagrange point yeah, for a while until several- it get hundred thousand kilometers away from us right and yeah. then because <laughs> it's just so big so we end up with a lego model that's hollow but is so large that the planet jupiter looks small in comparison <laughs> But because it's hollow and these these spikes are so light, it's going to get torn apart. All the time. There's going to be things hitting it constantly. It's, yeah. And smashing it into pieces again. Seriously, the other planets, you know, as we go by them, and because we're, you know, going around the sun faster than uh, Jupiter, you know, as you, the farther away you get, right, the slower things are going around the sun. Like, yeah, you, we're going to have this issue of these tidal forces destroying our... See, when this question was first pitched i my thought was like if it's got an internal structure right to support it that's going to be so massive my fear was going to be that it would crush itself it would absolutely yeah they can only hold legos uh sorry lego bricks yeah get it right Oof, almost got in trouble there <laughs> oh boy it's like 300 and some thousand you know because it's like i don't I, know then if they you know start this. smushing themselves legos can't be plural because it's actually a portmanteau of yeah. two danish words that mean play well i don't know if I, you... you know i've heard that i don't know where but I heard it. um yeah so they start smushing themselves with their own mass yeah and 
uh, because we don't have to worry about Earth gravity, you know, we're assuming we're building this. If we don't build it on Earth, we build it in space somewhere. Then we just have to worry about its own mass. Yeah. So they wouldn't smush each other quite as readily as they do on Earth. But mm-hmm. eventually, yes, they would. Once the Lego mass reaches Earth mass, which it absolutely would, um, we would run into trouble. Mm-hmm. Like even before then, they would be squishing each other. And if we built it as a solid thing, even with all the air inside of a two by four brick, and it's like 80 some percent air. It's like, I think actually 90 some percent air I looked up. Even with that, it's like 8% of the mass of a solid thing, the same size, you would end up essentially creating a mini sun out oh. of ABS plastic. Wow. Because there's just so much mass involved that eventually it would collapse upon itself, which would generate heat, which would eventually kickstart. Maybe not fusion, but you can do fusion with carbon. It just would require a lot of pressure and a lot of heat. You can do it all the way up to iron. So it's like you could make some kind of... That's a real Lego replica replica that would just be abs plastic it would just break itself into carbon hydrogen and nitrogen there's also so you mentioned by your calculations right that you would the mass of all the plates would be about that of our moon a little less our our moon is heavy would be heavier okay matt matt more massive if we're taking this off the earth and assembling it in space we're reducing the mass of our own planet yes by basically one moon <laughs> yeah we would be, it would be a pretty significant amount of raw material in order to make it i would think that you know if we were smart we would just start harvesting carbon hydrogen and nitrogen from other places yeah in, in the solar system to protect ourselves and honestly it might even be closer to the part of things that we're building because if you think about it just the width of the sun alone would be enough like a, a large star if if you just put two of them next to each other would engulf all of the inner planets and like even up into the asteroid belt you know like depending on the size of the star you could really screw up the solar system oh, building asteroids this. i forgot about the asteroid belt that so you go to the problem. asteroid belt yeah you're gonna end up with a trouble with trouble there so i have a tattoo on my arm and it's to scale so if we use this as a rough scale the sun is 19 centimeters <laughs> Uh, this on this, just on my arm this, scale. This is how seriously we take yeah. this. I'm now looking at your arm as a point of reference. Right. So now imagine the sun is a beach ball that right. I'm holding in my hand. Now put a second beach ball next to my arm. It would take up a lot of It would take up a lot of solar system. Yeah. Even hollow, it would have to be built in such a way where like the center of the hole didn't intersect with planets and could maybe be orbiting the sun itself. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a great but, question. But yeah, so your conclusion, all the other implications aside, is to to build the plates required and then actually assemble them, assuming all goes well, about a century. I mean, assuming that's all we did and nothing went wrong. I think the actual assumption is never. Yeah. Because as soon as you start to build it, meteors are hitting it, comets are flying around, asteroids are in the way, planets are in the way. The sun is so big Mm. and just so, like, takes up so much space that if we were to build a replica of it that was solid, we'd be creating a sun. If we build a replica of it that's hollow, it would be smashed apart, pulled apart by tidal forces. You know, it would just be destroyed as we're building it. So I I don't know if we'd ever complete it. So you, you'd have to basically just be content with your Lego, you know, not one-to-one scale replica. 
Like yeah. maybe one to many, many thousands or millions scale. <laughs> just and build the globe set, man. Ha- the globe set's really cool. It's a really I'm, nice set. I find myself envious of you every time I see it. So it's quite it's, small. It looks nice on my bookshelf. Yeah. That's it. That's great. I mean, that, amazing. I love that question. Thank I really appreciated question. the question. It was really fun. One more last kind of thought. The ABS plastic that they use to build Lego has a little bit of flame retardant chemical in it because ABS plastic is slightly flammable. Mm. Um, the chemical formula for ABS plastic is C8H8, C4H6, C3H3N, okay? Which means it's basically half hydrogen. Mm-hmm. So again, if you start to build all of these without the flame retardant chemical in it, you do just create yeah. a hydrogen ball with some carbon and nitrogen thrown in for fun, which is basically a sun. So a replica of the sun is a sun. Oh, fun. A fun. very dirty sun. A really dirty sun. Wonder what color it would be. Oh, I should have figured that out. Oh, well, you got to make it out of uh, yellow, obviously. Yeah, right. Yellow, yellow pieces. Yellow pieces. Yeah. And a little, maybe a little orange just maybe. for fun. Like throw a few oranges in there and some yellows. Maybe a few greens, because our sun's actually in the green spectrum. You know what? Yeah, I mean, it's the most wavelength. The the most light it emits is in green, but then it's, you know, all spread out and emitting all colors. So it's it's white on balance. Yeah. 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 Thanks, sun, for everything you do. Good job, sun. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back for Julian's question. Proud of you, sun. <laughs> if you've turned into this... Turned into it? You've turned into one. You've turned into a science comedy podcast. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm a podcast. Am I going to be late to work? If you're tuned into this science and comedy podcast, chances are that you are someone who loves learning and having a blast while doing it. If it wasn't clear, Trace and I are the same way. We thrive on learning new things because it not only enriches our lives, helps us learn new skills, but also makes us really cool at parties. Is that what we are at parties? Are we? We are, right? We're cool. I mean, when you're at my house and I'm at your house, definitely, but like... uh, other houses. Anyway, <laughs> this is all to say I am super excited about our new sponsor, Brilliant. Yay! Can I kind of get a little like, you know, in my feels for a second? Oh, yeah. Get those feels. Elaborate, please. Hey, I see what you did there. I am exactly the kind of person that Brilliant was made for. I have always been interested in math, physics, computer science. When I had the chance to study these things in college years ago, I was also really intimidated by them. Yeah. And I avoided taking these classes. And honestly, I regret it. I'm going back now. I'm taking classes at my local community college. I'm loving it. Yeah. But with a family and work, traditional classes like that, I'm finding them really hard to actually fit into my life. So I was really excited when you told me that Brilliant was going to be a sponsor. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. If you don't know what it is, by the way, out there. It's an interactive learning platform with so many lessons on topics that I always wanted to explore and I can do them at my own pace, on my schedule, and in a way that keeps me engaged. You can learn by doing on their website or with their mobile apps. And there are thousands of different interactive lessons in STEM subjects all across the platform. Their lessons are engaging and interactive. You can brush up on like algebra or advanced math, multivariable calculus, differential equations, computer science, Python programming. You can even learn about cutting edge stuff like large language models, neural networks, the things that are powering AI today. Large language models really big right now. (laughs) Large language models. You can learn large language models. (laughs) (laughs) it's only gaelic though the large language that you can learn is gaelic yeah ship that i'm in we can finally communicate with the scots (laughs) (laughs) okay well anyway 
Wherever you are in your learning journey, there is a brilliant course that will help you get to the next level. Or, you know, just be basic enough to get you an understanding that you can go and work with. Yeah, they're always adding new courses too. They just launched a ton of lessons focused on analyzing data. That's cool. That's really cool. I think the world would be a better place if everyone had to take a stats class. Oh, totally. And if you haven't taken one, here's your chance. You could just go take a statistics class and make Julian so, so happy. I would appreciate that. Try it out. You could try Brilliant for free for 30 days. Just visit brilliant.org slash absurd or click the link in the show notes. Once again, that's brilliant.org slash absurd. When you sign up, you'll get 20% off the annual premium subscription and it supports the show, even just trying it out. So go ahead, Check it out. Maybe get sucked into a few lessons. Trace and I are going to be here with the rest of the episode when you get back. If you get back. Oh, I hope you get back. They come back and they know more than us about everything. <laughs> They're just like, these guys are idiots. <laughs> their brains are the size. The huge brain coming out of their cranium. I've absorbed all knowledge. Why do I listen to this podcast of dummies? I have no time for your absurd antics. <laughs> But I would definitely take one on large language models. Uh, a cool. Scottish AI robot that nobody can understand. Sadie, <laughs> <laughs> turn on the lights! Sadie! <laughs> I'm the burglar alarm. <laughs> it supports the show. It'll be great. <laughs> and we're back. So our next question, the one that I had to tackle this episode, was also submitted by a listener. Actually, a... a person who we've gotten to know he's been a fan of d news back in the day and seeker and i've met him at multiple conventions name's clifton b he submitted a question and as a matter of fact he even recorded his question for us so let's take a listen into clifton's question hello friends this is clifton b uh i've had this weird question in my head for a few years but i never really looked into it myself i always thought someone with a better science brain should be the one to answer it so you're in a room, and in this room there are four buttons labeled gravity, electromagnetism, weak nuclear, and strong nuclear. Now when you push one of these buttons, its corresponding fundamental force will just magically go away. It'll stop working everywhere, forever. What effect will each button have at the astronomical scale, at the human scale, and at the microscopic scale? And as a small bonus absurdity, could life in some form somehow continue with any of these forces not functioning anymore? All right. Thanks, all. I uh, love the show. Wow. Okay, Clifton. <sighs> you I, could not have created a more Julian-friendly question. <laughs> yeah, in that I have the urge to answer it, and also I hate myself while I'm doing the research for it because it's, like, so complex and over the top. And I was like, we had, like, a deadline coming up. We're like, let's record Thursday. What do you want to pick? I'm like, that one. And then I was kicking myself, like, why did I pick? the? <laughs> I always go for the quantum mechanics ones. What am I doing? <laughs> but I do love it. I do love it. I love the idea of this room with these four buttons and each of them are labeled. I it's, love the idea it's of It's just that meme with like the two buttons and the guy <laughs> yes. sweating and he's just like, what do I do? I'm picturing more Homer Simpson asleep at his desk <laughs> and he wakes up and he's like electromagnetism and then he just presses it. That's a great Homer Simpson impression. I don't think I've heard. I can't do Homer Simpson. <laughs> Doe. <laughs> I think the theme of this show is my impressions get worse every episode. <laughs> Honestly, oh. I don't know how they could get worse than they are. <laughs> okay, we have established I am not Hank Azaria. No. I cannot do. He's a genius. Any other voices. Doe. Okay. 
So, Julian, yeah. I have one major question that I want to ask. Yeah, go ahead. Make my life harder. Which one of the buttons kills us? Oh, oh, you want to know which one? Yeah. Um, Wait. The- there are four buttons? There are four buttons, right? So the four fundamental forces of nature are gravity... Uh, the weak nuclear force, the strong nuclear force, electromagnetism. And of course, empathy, as we learned in episode three of our show. <laughs> Which we will refer to forever. <laughs> is the strongest force of all. No, the quantifiable things that we can observe doing stuff in nature are those four things. Right? So which of those kills us? All of them, Trace. Oh, man, come on! Uh, Canceling any one of them is catastrophic for the universe as we know it oh man in different and exciting ways so shall we dive in please yes all right let's start with gravity because gravity is the one i think that day to day most of us have the the strongest grasp of right strongest grasp weakest force that's right it is the weakest of those four fundamental forces um it's the oddball out if you're a particle physicist right because the other three are all carried by certain types Types of particles. Those sure. types of particles, by the way, are bosons. And the idea is like when particles interact, they exchange bosons, and these bosons carry a discrete amount of energy back and forth, and that's responsible for the other three forces. What we experience is electricity or nuclear whatever, the the things that hold atoms together. So gravity, though, is the only one that doesn't have a boson associated with it, at least not yet. Yeah, not that we know of. If you ask a particle physicist, they'd tell you, like, you know, we, we pretty much think there's something called a graviton that we haven't found yet. Because it's weird that this one force wouldn't play by the same rules as the other three. But if you ask Albert Einstein, he would tell you it's because things with mass curve space-time and then other things with mass follow that curvature, right? Got it's, it. It's why um, planets orbit around the sun, right? The sun being so big, as we know, yeah. right, curves space a lot. And then our planet just kind of Like that thing the at the drain. mall where you put the penny in it and it goes around. Yeah, until it spirals into the drink. Okay, so let's say we hit the cancel gravity button, right? Ooh. Now, on the atomic scale, because that was Clifton's question, right? The yep. three, atomic, human, universal. Atomic scale, because gravity is so weak, uh, you can basically kind of cancel it out, right? Other mm. forces, electromagnetism, strong, weak, even the weak force have more of an impact at the atomic scale. So at that level, particle physicists don't really consider gravity. You huh. have to be at the human scale and bigger in order to notice something. So let's go to the human scale. Okay. If gravity's gone, yeah. Uh you you just you would probably almost immediately start floating away from the earth. Ooh. Like if nobody warned you it was coming and you didn't grab onto something and like somebody hit this button and you took a step, right? Like there's an upward component to you walking to the force, right? Some of it Ooh, is yeah. you pushing on the ground and, and backwards, and some of it, you know, is you keeping yourself upright and, and pushing downward. That just lifts you up into the air and you start floating away. Wouldn't the air also float away? Yes, that was my next point. Oh my god! So the air is only on planet Earth because gravity is attracting all these air molecules down to the ground, right? But here at ground level, they're going to start bouncing off of each other and diffusing in random directions, and so they're going to start diffusing off into <gasps> space. 
So yeah, the atmosphere starts floating away as well. Uh, is bad. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I think we can expand now to a larger scale, at the cosmic scale. I mentioned the only reason the planets are going around the sun is because of gravity, yeah. right? It provides that that force pointing towards the middle of the right. s- the circle of the orbit, right? Without that, everything flies off in a straight line. Oh my god, it's almost like you use the thing, you put the penny in, yeah. But instead of being curved, which that curve is gravity, it's just flat. So instead of going around, yeah. you put it on the little track, it rolls down the track, and just keeps going in a straight or, line. Or imagine you had like a ball on a string, and you're swinging it around your head, yeah. and, and the then string snaps. What the, does the ball do? It flies, flies off in a straight line. Yeah. Right? So all the planets just... Oh, and our own moon, of course, which is only you know tethered to us because of our mutual gravities. We all just fly off. Whatever direction you're going at that exact instant gravity's canceled, you're just going that way now until Forever. you hit something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because hitting things still matters. Yes, that that's important. That, yeah. that still counts. And Whoa. as this happens, the sun explodes. Ah! Why? Be- because the sun. Oh no, I know why! Which is a miasma of incandescent <laughs> plasma. A gigantic <laughs> nuclear furnace! Yes, thank you. See, I waited for you. <laughs> The sun is basically a balance between the gravity that's compressing everything inward and then the pressure from the fusion reaction at its core pushing back out, right? And that's yeah. why the sun is the way it is. And as stars, you know, collapse and die, they'll expand as, you know, like the fusion kicks to a different notch and, you know, blows the... Anyway, if that gravity is just suddenly gone, it would be like, I imagine, if you're pushing on a closed door mm. and then somebody suddenly opens it from the other side. Yeah. So all the material of the sun just shoots off into space in every oh direction as well. And it's not just our sun. Oh, it's yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. So let's go to the galactic level, right? Yeah. All the galaxies, you know, the spiral galaxies that we think of typically like our own Milky Way, they're held together. Here's the fun fact, right? Partially by the gravity of the stars, mostly from dark matter. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. done the calculations and we've concluded that the mass of all the stars and things that we can see is not enough to hold uh, a galaxy together. galaxies yeah. together, even with supermassive black holes at the center. So there must be something called dark matter holding it together. And dark matter, as far as we know, only interacts through gravitational force. Hmm. Right. So if that suddenly doesn't matter anymore, all the galaxies fly apart oh in every direction. Gosh. It's basically the fireworks. most insane fireworks show you Amazing. can imagine. You were going to say the same thing? Yes, I I was. I'm imagining it, and it um, seems amazing. It would, yeah. This Doctor Who episode, where he just parks (laughs) himself somewhere and watches it. watches it all Like when they watch the last days of the Earth, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, if you were in intergalactic space, I imagine it would look pretty cool. Because like I said, at the atomic level locally, doesn't really seem to have that much of an impact. You know, you could exist. There's humans on the ISS, you know, where they're in microgravity and it's not like they can't exist. Mm -hmm. So if you're in like a closed spacecraft, you know, your air is all contained and you've got food and water and light, you know. You're not relying on gravity to to do things for you. Yeah. Yeah. Until, of course, you know, you, you... run out of power because like let's say you're on a ship with solar panels and now because all the stars have torn themselves apart there's no solar yeah panel yeah so you wouldn't get to hang around for too much longer but it would look cool it would look cool yeah so there's that wow 
That's one of four. That's one button. <laughs> it's, that's the first button. Okay, wow. I mean, that's pretty spectacular. That's that's quite something, right? Okay. Okay, so let's move on to the next weakest force, which is the weak nuclear force. Sure, what does that do? I think this is probably the least intuitive of the forces because, uh, you know, gravity is you can conceptualize it pretty easily. Um, strong force isn't too hard to explain. Electromagnetic force, you're familiar, even if you aren't really aware of it. The weak nuclear force, I, you know, I kind of struggle to explain exactly like a metaphor for it, but all it does is it takes uh, the things that atoms are made up of, right, Of that protons and neutrons are made up of, and it changes them fundamentally, right? So protons, neutrons, right? They're not the smallest building blocks of atoms. You can go a layer below that and you have quarks. Right. Quarks ha- come in different, what are known as flavors, flavors. right? There's up and down, charm, strange, uh, top and bottom. Yeah. And so these quarks have fractional charges, right? Like an up quark is a two-thirds positive charge. A down quark is a negative one-third charge. So if you put two up quarks and a down quark together, hold them together, that makes a proton. You get a net charge of positive one, and you get your little your little proton building block. And then and two... And the weak nuclear is what's holding them together? No. That's... Oh. that. We'll get See, to that. that's confusing. The neutrons, right... If protons are two ups and a down, neutrons are two downs and one up. So you've got a neutral charge and you've got something with almost the same exact mass as a proton, but no charge. These particles can decay into one another and they do so via the weak nuclear interaction. Okay, so when a proton turns into a neutron, it gives off a boson. We talked about these force carrying particles, right? It gives off a W plus boson because it loses its positive charge it becomes neutral something has to carry that positive charge that's the w plus boson and then the w plus boson decays into a positron which is like the evil the plus version of an electron and a neutrino Woo! this is complicated i know Hey, particle physics over podcast. I'm sure it's really easy to grasp. <laughs> and the neutrons are the opposite. It, they will emit a W minus boson, and that will decay into an electron and an antineutrino. I know it's all complicated, but this thing, this weak interaction, is responsible for some pretty cool stuff and some pretty important stuff. The carbon 14 dating, you know, when we figure out how old stuff is, that's from carbon 14 decaying. The proton, one of the protons in carbon 14 decaying, and it turns into another element. And, and we can use that yeah. because it happens at a specific rate. Exactly. So we can use that to measure how long something's been around. Right. So on the flip side, the weak interaction is essential to nuclear fusion, the process that powers the sun. Oh, no. Yeah. So let me just see if I get this straight. If you hit the button, yep. then the atoms don't decay the way they're supposed to. That's right. But there's also no solar fusion. There's no fusion, period. Yeah. So without that, again, everybody dies. Yes. And the universe <laughs> kind of just... But instead of fireworks, it seems like it would just be like... Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Yeah. Yeah. It would just be like, I'm done. Yeah. I I think that's fair. I mean, I'm no expert, but uh, fusion in the sun happens when uh, hydrogen atoms are colliding into each other, right? And hydrogen in plasma, it's just protons whizzing around, right? There's no electrons. They've all been stripped away by the hotness. Yeah. But stable helium 
uh, needs two neutrons, right? It's two protons and two neutrons because the neutrons provide stability to the nucleus. So when these protons are colliding into each other, some of them need to turn into neutrons through the weak interaction. And that is what enables fusion to happen and energy to be given off and light to be given off. So yes, without the weak nuclear force, uh, you can't have stable elements through decay, like some of the heavier elements. And as far as I understand it, fusion in the sun wouldn't be able to continue. Wow. And then if we haven't canceled gravity, then gravity would take over and crush the sun. Oh, remember I right. mentioned the yeah. balance of the, forces because you're only turning off one. So yeah. Earth is still here and the mass of the sun is still the same. Yeah. So we're still in orbit. Yeah. But the sun is now imploded upon itself. Yeah. Which would increase heat. But there's but no there's way to no do fusion. fusion. Oh, wow. Mm, yeah. No idea. So you just crunch your sun into a little brown ball. That Would it become a black dies hole? Off. I don't think it's don't got the think, mass yeah, to, to become either. a black hole. There's a certain limit. It wouldn't that, give off light. Or no, heat. it wouldn't. So it'd just be a little it'd golf be a, ball. Yeah. There are like, you know, I mean, not literally, but dwarf, like, pro, like brown dwarfs. And yeah, things. yeah. Those are like the remnants of stellar cores that didn't have enough mass to collapse on themselves and become black holes, but they also couldn't sustain fusion any longer. So they just fade. Yeah. Eventually. But That's it's not a, the same as a, a black model. hole. Good yeah. model for this. Either way, bad. But, yeah. but not as spectacularly bad. Yeah. So let's talk about the electromagnetic force. Now. Okay. I'm excited for this one. Okay. This so, one's my favorite. So this one, you probably know the boson that carries the electromagnetic force. It is... The electron. No. Yeah, I know. No. It's, the, <laughs> it's, it's obviously the neutron. No. <laughs> No, that's incorrect again. <laughs> the boson. Oh, right, right. The boson that carries the electromagnetic force is the photon. Oh, the of course, photon. I knew that. Right. So we think of them as like the light particles that we can see, and that is true, but um, they also are what carries the electromagnetic force in general. So things with charges either attract or repel, right? If you've got like charges, they repel each other. Unlike charges, you know, positive and negative, they attract each other, right? And this is carried by uh, photons, uh, both real or virtual. So in an atom, right, you've got a positively charged nucleus where the protons and neutrons are, and then they're orbited by these electrons. The thing holding that all, that stew together is these virtual photons that exchange the electromagnetic force between protons and electrons and keep, you know, the, the electron orbiting around the nucleus. So, Trace, what do you think happens if we eliminate the photon? I feel like at the atomic level, yeah. we're going to get a, quite a show. Yeah, yeah. All the atoms, uh, all the electrons and nuclei dissociate. They just fly apart. Just fly. I guess it, it would be analogous to turning off gravity. I mean, assuming at quantum mechanic levels they behave the same, which they don't, but it'd be like... Like the electron would just whiz off in yeah. some direction. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, based on quantum mechanics, and it probably wouldn't literally whiz because they don't even really exist, but that's fine. That's all just waves. Yeah. It gets confusing yeah, at this yeah, level. Yeah. Anyway. So, no atoms, no. which means, but that would happen instantaneously. So at the human level, I'm guessing we just, just diso- disappear. We just Thanos yeah. crumble. Into- but without the dirty leaves, <laughs> yeah. it's literally just like poof. Just, yeah. But Atomic no poof, dust. Because there's no wind. Right. Huh. Well, I guess at the human level, we're not saying the energy dissipates. So, like, the energy might still be flowing in that direction. There would just be no particles to carry it. <laughs> 
you're really i can see the consternation on i your don't face. like it the way i imagine it right is like all these atoms that are held together because of photons because of this electromagnetic attraction uh just dissociate so any bonds that are relying on that right like ionic bonds or covalent bonds right those are all undone anything that relies on charges and the forces that moving charges and magnetism apply to things that's just gone it spontaneously disassembles and uh yeah you've got basically a bunch of swirling nuclei and electrons whizzing around with no order anymore that don't like each other anymore and find any way to get along yeah and there's no reason right like that when nuclei are traveling along now in our space right the positively charged nuclei don't repel each other anything like that right they're all just randomly colliding and oh moving my around god now. we end up with uh, like a particle soup yeah like a early universe situation yeah. post big bang i'm so pre- glad you said that <gasps> really yes because here's a fun fact it is uh Particle physicists have shown that the electromagnetic force and the weak force that we just talked about at a high enough energy level, like in the early universe recently after the Big Bang, when you had crazy high energy particle soup, they're actually the same force. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they unified them into the electro weak force. And then as the universe cooled, they kind of split off and do their own thing. But at high enough energy levels, they're the same force. So I like to imagine, as a matter of fact, if you turn off the the electromagnetic force you also turn off the weak force and because they're basically versa. the same because they we derive just, from the same we just force think as far of them as, we know. As, as, as like different things because we yeah. live at our current temperatures yeah now because of that scientists are trying to unify all the forces because there's you know we believe the electromagnetic force and the weak force are derived from the same thing now we're thinking oh they probably all forces come from the same one greater force whatever it may be it's we're still working on clearly that. the force the force <laughs> exactly yeah so (laughs) anyway particle soup is bad yeah finally let's talk about the strong force which is the strongest force right yeah so we talked about how the protons in nuclei normally they would repel each other because of the electromagnetic force right right but the thing that holds these positively charged protons together is the strong force the thing that holds the quarks that you mentioned earlier together that's right well so it's holding nuclei together the the protons and neutrons it stitches all of them together and then within the protons and neutrons the strong force is also the force that holds the quarks together got it see how see why i structured it this way i I do talk about all of them so the strong force by the way these gluons are also kind of in like a gluon soup Mm -hmm. tons and tons of energy is actually stored in these bonds as a matter of fact the quarks that make up protons and neutrons are a tiny 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 fraction of uh the mass the overall mass of the proton and neutron and the gluons the energy from the gluons is most of the mass because if you remember at the atomic scale mass and energy are related yeah right e equals mc MC. squared right energy equals mass times the speed of light squared and so when we do things like nuclear fission when we split apart an atom the resulting uh, two new products, right, in the nuclei and the neutrons or whatever that come out of it and continue nuclear fission, like in an atomic bomb, the reason that they are less massive is because 
they are not held together, and that binding energy that held them together is the source of the explosive energy that's released in an atomic blast. Mm -hmm. Okay? Got it. Let's imagine we turned off the strong nuclear force. (laughs) (laughs) Everything disassembles to a greater degree than if we turned off the electromagnetic force with a gigantic thermonuclear explosion. (laughs) So again fireworks yeah yeah except this time there's no safely hanging out in your tardis with a cup of tea watching it all burn <laughs> and no your companion. no you're Don't forget part the companion. of it oh. whether you like it or not i guess that's true you are part of the gigantic rapid <laughs> release of energy that destroys everything in the universe wow yeah so to recap gravity bad fireworks yeah weak nuclear <laughs> fizzle uh, then electromagnetism, dust, dust, Th- Thanosian dust, and uh, strong nuclear fireworks. Again. Yeah, but you know, really involuntary, in- like a lot, you, like you wow, mandatory participation, like the finale part in when the they like break out the eighteen twelve overture kind yeah. of part. <laughs> And everybody, just, yeah. just every single person is a hydrogen bomb. Okay, I have a question then. Yeah, uh, that, inspired by that, if you were gonna hit a button, which button would you hit, and what song would you listen to Ooh. while you hit it? Ooh, I mean, it depends on how mad I am that day. Sure. Right. If I woke up and it's like this is really dating myself, but you know, Limp Biscuit. If I'm just like, just one of those days where you don't want to wake up. <laughs> And then what button do you hit? And then if I'm in that mood, man, strong nuclear force has got to (laughs) go. Blow it all up. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm like, you know, just like kind of sad, you're listening to some REM. Oh, you're just like some Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, that's a weak nuclear day. He would totally write about this. Death Cab for Cutie's got a big nerd streak to him. Yeah, you know, Benjamin Gibbard. He's not Death Cab. He's not personally. His name is not Death Cab for Cutie. That's how it works with musicians, though. Like, Blondie is not... That's not the name of the person. (laughs) Hootie and the Blowfish. Have you seen that? It's like there's a sketch where Darius Rucker is performing, and the band is like, bring out the Blowfish! And he's like, I'm not Hootie, and they're the Blowfish. (laughs) The band is just Hootie and the Blowfish. That's just what it is. (laughs) This is a name in the band. Anyway, but yeah, I would would probably go... um, weak nuclear force if i wanted some melancholy sure yeah yeah just yeah. like <sighs> and then if i had a tardis and wanted to impress a date probably gravity yeah take her out somewhere nice and be like check this out and then, that'd be cool yeah destroy everything cool. and be like okay now we'll go back and talk about it that'll be fine hmm. yeah so wow. thanks thanks clifton for making Jeez. me do a bunch of diving into particle physics which is uh, i'm getting better at it because i've done it so much at Look, this point i love any time i yeah. get to go do particle physics stuff i've been to cern twice i'd go again and by the way, if anybody listening is a particle physicist and I got anything wrong, you let me know because Please. I think this is a great question. And Tell if us. we can cover it more accurately, like, awesome. We will do a, an update to this. I would happily follow this one up. If you've done something, please let us know. Yes. Uh, you can send us an email or go to our website and contact us, whatever you want. 
Yeah. So please let us know. And even if you're not a particle physicist, if you're a listener, you've got your own question. Maybe a five-year-old has a good one. Maybe you've got kind of a silly one and you want to pretend you have a five-year-old that asked it. Please uh, let us know. Yeah. You can do that at thatsabsurdshow.com or you can check the show notes for a direct link. You can also find links to our social medias. You can find the show anywhere that you get your podcasts. So if you're listening now and you liked this episode, follow us, give us a rating, shoot us a like, whatever it is that you need to do to tell us other people that the show is good and you like it you know be our strong force oh yeah uh, Aww, hold us together yeah uh. this episode uh was edited by kyle sisk and we want to again thank our question askers who are a five-year-old in canada and clifton b thank you so much for submitting those questions and thank you so much for listening